0: all right let's go <clears throat> this podcast contains uh explicit language adult beverages delicious tobacco and what's that say flagrant misuse of dice what does that even mean who the hell wrote this to hell with it i need a drink huh oh okay whatever <clears throat> this is the dice and pipes podcast Welcome, yes, Dyson Pipes, the show that uh, brings everyone together around the table to play games, smoke fine tobaccos, and drink even finer whiskey. I'm Brian. And I'm Chris. Good morning. And, well, we don't know it's morning. Well, it's morning for me, so That's fuck true. everybody. I'm That's true. Morning. We are what matters. Exactly. We are drinking Jefferson's. Very small batch. Extra- extraordinarily
1: small. Where this batch may or may not have produced up to 100,000.
0: They, they of actually produced uh, 9,092. Well, this is bottle 9,092. And it's not 100,000, it's 10,000. Oh, no, I guess it could go up to nine, right? It can go nine, up to nine, 99,000, right? So 100,000 bottles. Uh, it is batch number 606, but again, very small.
1: But I, I, I'm not going to disparage the good goddamn name of Thomas
0: Jefferson. No, not in my presence.
1: No. Son of a bitch. Especially when he's staring at me. He's he fucking is. looking at me off of his bottle. And it's he's, not uncomfortable.
0: He's tucking his hands into his pocket in a very conspicuous You think they're in his fish. pocket? I think he's picking his asshole. Yeah? Let me. yeah. yeah a, let yeah, me yeah. take a closer look at this. Uh...
1: He's probably got swamp ass.
0: Oh, he could, yeah. We're you in, think they had those wet those clogs. ones?
1: They did not have wet ones back then. <laughs> no sanitary <laughs> napkins. <laughs> no. They were wiping their ass with fucking
0: tobacco leaves. He's wiping his ass with a Louisiana Purchase. Mm. That's the look he gave when they offered him the first price. There you go. And he took that price and wiped his ass with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I like to think. Uh, What are we smoking? I have no idea.
1: Which one is this? English Oriental? Yes. Bear with me.
0: Uh,
1: Yes. Peter Stokeby. One of my favorite. One of my favorite. Peter Stokeby's English Oriental Luxury. He does know how to
0: make a nice...
1: He's a true gentleman.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Stoker.
1: He's cut from the same cloth as Thomas Jefferson. Uh, what are you smoking that out of? This is my little Rossi Rubino author. It's a smooth pipe. And surprisingly enough, when I started this fucking habit... Thank you, Brian. Because I blame you for this. So if I get divorced based on the money that I spend on pipes and tobacco, I'm going to live in this shed. Because it's a That's fine. Yeah, I don't know why. I thought that I was going to have an obsession with smooth pipes, but and and I think a majority of my pipes right now are smooth, but I'm learning that I prefer, I thought I preferred rusticated, but then I'm realizing that I like sandblasted. Sandblasted pipes are very cool. They are cool. And I just learned the other day what the difference is. Apparently rusticated, and correct me if I'm wrong, but rusticated- You're wrong. Thank you. Rusticated, somebody actually goes on here with a tool and will carve in the markings on the pipe in order to rusticate the pipe. Sandblast, I guess there's only a a percentage of briarwood that become pipes that they can sandblast and they take high pressure like water and shoot it at the pipe and reveal like this... um, I guess like the hardwood so to speak within the pipe and leaves like these like ringed lines on the pipe. Ah. Yeah, which is neat. So it's a completely different look. It's all about what you uh what you're into. But anyway, I like the the finish on this pipe. It's it's a smooth pipe, but it's nice to nice to grip. It's good in the hand.
0: Yes. So our uh Dyson Pipe's official tobacconist, Clyde mm-hmm. von Helwind. Yes. He uh, recommended this to he me. He recommended the pipe and the, the tobacco. That's correct. And our mixologist, uh Michael J. Fish. Mm-hmm recommended the the, the Jeffersons. I, so, was, I was talking to him
1: off there before we started, and he had told me that
0: Jeffersons is one of
1: his finest whiskeys.
0: It is delicious. So uh, why not smooth, start with it? Yeah. How do you feel the two pair together? I'm I, uh, for, for posterity, uh, I'm smoking Cerberus. Uh, oh, of, you're not
1: smoking the luxury.
0: No, no, no. I, I'm finishing off the Cerberus out of my uh, Morgan Bones uh, Stubby Ants uh, which I th- I think is my favorite pipe, and I have no idea why. To each their own. Yeah, I mean, I would love to get a, a fancier Nording, but I I, I love this one because I could just throw it, throw it in my mm. pocket, throw it in my pocket pieces. Um, but how do you feel that uh, Clyde and Michael did for, as far as pairing goes? I agree. So far, it's good. I enjoy it.
1: I enjoy it. The bourbon with the English is a nice combination. It's very smooth. The, Engl- the, the English, the the bourbon is very smooth. Jefferson's goes down like it's very silky. I like it. Yeah, it, it really doesn't have a bite to it. No, like I really enjoy Woodford, but Woodford is it's kind of sharp. You oh, know, slightly sharper than this. Yeah, I yeah, would agree. The, this is this is becoming <clears throat> like a lot of people. Uh, not to go off on the the pipe tobacco conversation, but like a lot of people, like Elizabethan mixture, early morning pipe from Dunhill, where. Very big pipe tobaccos that people would consider an all day smoke, and very upset when Dunhill decided to shut down their production of tobacco. Jefferson, in my opinion, is my equivalent of those two tobaccos. This is like an all day. This is an all day whiskey for me. Yeah, you know, it's just smooth. It's my go to. If I can't find something to drink, and I'm like, uh, what the fuck do I want to drink? Yep, Jefferson's. We're gonna have
0: to yes. uh, put Jefferson's up against Angels Envy. Okay, Up against Woodford. Yes. And uh, find out which one is the king of all-day whiskey. Well, we're going to be so popular. You probably shouldn't be doing all-day whiskey. (laughs) That might be a bad idea. Why not? You should be able to drink whiskey at any point. Sure, but it's continually drinking it throughout the day that might be the problem. Yeah, whatever. Mm. Mm -hmm. What if
1: you're off and you don't have to drive anywhere? That's true. I'm not condoning drinking and driving. I'm just saying, if you're going to be home and you want to Enjoy a nice little glass of whiskey. And when I say all day, I mean, look, fuck, if I want to wake up in the morning and have, you know, eggs and bourbon, who the fuck
0: are you to judge? Not me. Not you. This is like Planet Fitness, judgment-free zone right here. Exactly. Don't judge me. Uh, Today, we're going to be covering uh, a topic that's near and dear to both of us because we have done it, and that is returning to Dungeons & Dragons after a very long hiatus. But first, it's customary on this show. To give a toast. Uh, so I would ask that everyone raise their glasses. Gosh. This is for the mongrels that go into supermarkets and test drive the grapes before they purchase them. It,
1: I'm sorry, define test drive the grapes. Like they feel the grapes, they make sure that the skins are. They firm. will
0: take their grubby little mitts mm-hmm. and they'll grab a grape, rip it from the vine, and eat it. Then they might grab a second or a third, and then they may not put the grapes in their basket. So now, when I go to buy my grapes, hmm. I have to sit there and stare at the grapes and wonder which grapes were molested. <laughs> um,
1: this isn't like a like a video that you saw on YouTube. This isn't occurring in like third world countries. No, this, this is a, a this standard, happens
0: at the supermarket that you shop at. This happens at the supermarket you shop at. Are you
1: fucking serious? Next time you go to the store, I'm just gonna sit there. I'm not even gonna go to buy as a matter of fact out the grapes. on my way home. I think I'm gonna stop <laughs> at shop right and see if people which I can I can totally believe that. So this isn't I gotta put my glass down because the glass weighs like 10 pounds. This isn't this isn't like somebody employed by the store that's handing out samples. No, no. These are mongrels, as you say, savages that are going into the fruit aisle. And pulling grapes off of the
0: vine yes. and, and test driving the grapes. It's a very goblin-like move. What the fuck? Now, I could see if you grab the bag and put it in your cart, and maybe you want to munch on one while you shop. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, it's when you sample a bunch of them, and either don't take them or take a different bag. Now, why the fuck would you do
1: that? Because you're, you're an animal. What are you shaving off, like a half ounce? Like, what's that saving you with the register?
0: $0.08? I believe the theory is that they're testing it for freshness. But
1: then why would you eat the grapes off of one bunch and then grab another bag? Because now you're short a couple grapes. But you're then assuming that the grapes that you grabbed were from the same tree picked at the same exact time as the grapes that you test drove.
0: I'm not saying it makes sense. No, None of this makes sense. No, it it's very disheartening to see that. This is very sad. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's horrible when I'm standing in the supermarket and I'm examining bags of grapes as if it was uh, an OBGYN examination and I'm just I'm sifting through these delicious purple balls sometimes green making sure that there is nary a barren stem not in my fucking grapes so now not only do I have to take those
1: grapes home and and wash them for like potential pesticides mm-hmm. but there is the possibility that the person who had handled those grapes before were digging into their balls might have a little ball sweat. Jefferson? Jefferson might have been. He
0: reached right in here and grabbed his ass parts. And then he test drove grapes. Right. That son of a bitch. And then you ate them. So now not only do you have to wash the grapes, as you said, for pe- pesticides. Now you have to bleach them. <laughs> uh, so, yes, to the grape pickers. Yes. Sons of bitches. All right. uh, I guess now is as good a time as any uh, to get into our first gameplay session. And after Mm. the gameplay session, we'll come back with the topic of the DA. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons & Dragons. It's the 2nd of Evathan, and the town is deep in the grip of winter. The stout stone buildings and thick wooden lodges are blanketed in a wet and heavy snow. Tall evergreens are drooping and the roads are roughly cleared of wintry mix and mud and slush. It's also the morning of the Emperor's Feast, a holiday for friends and families to come together in the town center and enjoy an evening of song, food, drink, and overall revelry. On this morning, the townspeople are busy preparing a banquet large enough to feed most if not all of Northridge's 17,000 residents. The Hunter's Lodge have spent the last six months preparing for the feast. 800 deer, 150 bear, 60 moose, 1,000 rabbits, 500 ducks, 400 turkeys have all been killed, butchered, and preserved for today's feast. The farmers have donated thousands of crops and the various chefs are busy collaborating on a menu fit for the emperor himself. Almost all business is closed today, with shopkeepers and bartenders helping to assemble hundreds of tables in the town center. Serving girls and innkeepers decorate the town, and children are busy building fires and snowmen in equal quantities. Everyone is taking part in the festivities, except for you, the senior portmaster. You still have a very important job to do. You're holding a manifest for an Imperial transport ship, the Dante's Crown Three. On the manifest are some of the most important items for the day. 1,000 gallons of ale, 3,000 gallons of mead, 6,000 gallons of wine a hundred gallons of rum and 700 gallons of whiskey. As is tradition, the ship is being captained by an imperial emissary who will be honored by the village in place of the emperor himself. As the cold wind blows off the ever restless Lake de an imperial horn sounds. Dante's crown is coming to port. As you walk out to the docks, a huge galleon with a massive blimp looms overhead. The crewmen throw mooring ropes down to the dock workers. Once the ropes are secure, the blimp begins to deflate bringing the gigantic ship into the waters of the harbor. After several minutes, Dante's crown is secure, and a large gangway drops to the dock. A finely dressed man walks down the thick wooden ramp. He tightens his fine wool clothing in the blustery wind. He nods his head slightly, looking at you. I'm Count Griffin Elliot. My men have the ship's ledger, and I'm sure everything is in order. Can you please tell me where I will find Duke Titus Sigillus? So, for your records, uh, Titus Sigilus is the Imperial Magistrate, kind of like the mayor of the town. He reports directly to the Imperium on all town matters. Uh, he has a house on the northwest corner of the city in the capital district. So, he's approaching me. Do I have men that work for me? Like, I would yeah, there's, imagine- there's, a, hand, there's a, a, a group of dock workers that are busy already starting to unload everything.
1: Okay. And for the feast would... Would the town have spared anybody for some sort of like uh, like royal greeting for this gentleman as he comes
0: uh, to port? No, they're going to do that before the feast actually begins. Okay, so this is basically just to settle up the items? Yeah, usually what happens is this is an emissary from the emperor, so the emissaries really only come a couple times a year. And while this is kind of like a formal thing, usually what they do is they meet with the magistrate first, take care of business even though everyone's technically off for the day. Okay. So they do their politicking and all that crap and then... Uh, then they do their, their honorary introductions. Okay. All right, no problem. So I introduce myself to the Count.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. I say, Count Griffin Elliott, it's a pleasure to have you in our city. Uh, I am Harrison Bullitt, the portmaster. I believe uh, Titus Sigilus? His home is located in the northwest corner of the city in the capital district. You would be able to find him there. He nods, turns around, and starts walking away.
0: Good day, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now you have the manifest, uh, the ledger is inside. Are you going to do anything with this, or are you going to just trust that the Imperial ship is legit?
1: Um, no, I'm not going to trust anything. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and either myself or I'm going to have you know, my staff. We're going to just do a, a quick little recap on, on what's on the ship and make okay. sure that it matches what's on the, the ledger.
0: Okay. So, uh, again, uh, they have on... Ledger, a thousand gallons of ale, three thousand gallons of mead, six thousand gallons of wine, a hundred gallons of rum, seven hundred gallons of whiskey. Uh, so basically, the drinks of this party. Right. Um, the bars in the town can really only facilitate so much liquor for an entire city. Uh, so usually, the empire donates huge quantities of alcohol to all the surrounding areas for this holiday. Okay. Um, Walking through the ship, it looks like everything is pretty much there. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to count. Right, right. But
1: the general idea is that everything is, is there. Yeah. Right, like I can get an understanding based on like the uh, like the barrels.
0: If you were to walk into the hold,
1: right. your eyes would kind of go wide. Oh, okay, this is a lot of stuff. Right, I would be amazed. This yeah. is probably more than I've ever seen. I would imagine that these ships, right, are not... This isn't a, a normal thing for an imperial ship of this size, outside of like an annual. This fa- holiday, right? Okay. This right. is
0: almost kind of like Thanksgiving. Oh, okay, okay. A similar holiday, and
1: no problems in the past that I've uh, been no. a part of or witnessed with this. Okay, no. so obviously it's business as usual. I sign off on the uh, on the manifest, and it's
0: uh, let's continue on with our day. The town is decorated in vibrant colors. Streamers of red and gold, the imperial colors, hang from rooftops, balconies, and trees. Paper lanterns crisscross over Merchant's Highway, and dozens of bards strum happy melodies while walking amongst hundreds of tables. While thousands of townspeople sit at the tables, more people are standing in groups huddled around kegs of alcohol, talking, laughing, and singing along with the bards. Men share hugely exaggerated hunting stories, and women giggle over the latest juicy gossip. While the party goes on around you, a short, plump dwarf dressed in fine robes, possibly too fine for a place such as this, staggers to you. He's clean-shaven and balding with a comb over, and his cheeks are as rosy as his nose. Maximo, by name, the self-proclaimed king of merchants, slaps you on the hip. Hell of a party! (laughs) Am I familiar with this guy? Yeah. I know this guy. All right. So I say, what's up to Maximo? What's going on, buddy? Hey, uh, when you got a second, I've got an interesting manifest here. Seems old Codswood is expecting a shipment of silver. Old Coop probably won't notice a few ounces missing, am I right?
1: (laughs) Ha ha ha, I didn't like these dirty tricks of yours.
0: Anyway, listen, we'll talk later after the party. Uh, It looks like they're getting ready to bring out the food. You follow Dwarf's hungry gaze to the head table. Titus Sigillus, Glacrin Silverview, which is the Dwarven Imperial Justiciar, and Count Griffin Elliot approach the head table and take a modest bow. Griffin holds a handout. Friends of Northridge, as the official representative of His Holiness, the Emperor, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome you all to the Emperor's Feast. Do me a favor, roll Perception. Six. As the crowd swells to a cheer, you hear a loud bang. Several guests, including Elliot Griffin, fall to the ground, writhing in pain. Before your very eyes, a dozen people contort, their flesh tearing, and they start transforming into wolves.
1: What the fuck? People start
0: screaming. Tables are flipping. People are running. What do you do? Yeah, I'm running. What the? You're running. Yeah. I'm just
1: a lowly (laughs) portmaster. What the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, I take off. So we're in a hall. Or we're in the town. The town center. You're outside. Okay. Um... So this is going on, I would imagine, in the center of the
0: town center. There's like like a dais. Right, right, right. And the count uh, is one of these dozen or so people all around that start collapsing. Just before this, you heard a bang. Right. Now,
1: I would imagine, like, where would I be positioned in the the group
0: of people? Like, am I
1: towards the back, the front, the middle? I see you probably hanging out near one of the kegs. Okay. So more closer to the front. Yes. Okay. So I have a lot of people to get through if I'm trying to run away. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to try to make an exit. I'm not messing with wolves. All
0: right. Uh, w- do you have an idea where you want to run to?
1: Um, I would imagine towards my home would be the safest bet. Either there or the port,
0: whichever's closer. All right. Give me a dex check. Uh, 20. Okay. So you kind of start shoving your way through people kind of pushing your way past shoulders, uh, leaping over people that are falling, trying not to trample too many people. Uh, As more people around you start fleeing, more than a few people start screaming witchcraft. Tables are flipped. Dozens of Thunder Force soldiers quickly regain order. Following the frantic orders of the Imperial Justiciar, Glacrin Silverview, the Thunder Force begins securing evidence, isolating witnesses, and inspecting bodies. They form a perimeter pretty much around everything. So before you have a chance to really break away, you're stopped. They start sequestering people, uh, and there's this dwarf in kind of like formal armor okay. uh, pointing and just barking various orders, and, and Thunder Force soldiers are running in those random directions doing things. He approaches you, looks you right in the eye, and points to you. Him too. Him to what? Two Thunder Force soldiers grab you. Wait, hold on. What are you grabbing me for? They grab they grab you and sequester you. They start pulling you away.
1: Yeah, under duress. Like I'm saying, wh- wh- what's going on here? Why are you grabbing me? Shut up. Oh, God damn it. Where are you taking me? Quiet. Don't tell me to be quiet. Do you see what's going on
0: here? No, I don't see they anything. They give you a shot to the gut.
1: Oh, son. Bastards.
0: As darkness looms over, the party now turned crime scene. You're in a small room, sitting at a small wooden table. <clears throat> After a moment, the door opens and an older man enters. Harrison Bullitt, yes? Who are you? I'm Klaus Alexanderson, captain of the Thunder V Sanctorum. I'll, dispel- I'll dispense with the pleasantries. You're a senior portmaster, correct? That is correct. After today's uh, incident, my men found this. He drops something on the table. It looks like uh, almost like a piece of bark that's been stripped from the tree, and it's kind of burnt, and there's some kind of strange insignia drawn on it in a dark liquid. You can't really tell what the liquid is. Okay. Do you know what this is? I've never seen that before. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Why would you ask me?
0: Well, the leader of the Hunter's Lodge seems to believe that this is... Uh, Found only in Vogtrim Swamp. You're a man who manages all sorts of imports and exports. Can you confirm if this is actually from Vogtrim Swamp?
1: I'll take a look at it and give you my best educated guess.
0: So like I said, it's a a piece of wood. Right. Um, I mean, does it appear to be the bark from a tree from the swamp? You can tell it's from a tree. Uh, If you want, you can give me... Uh, a survival
1: check. I would guess at this point, like all my checks are just going to be flat 20s. Yeah. Right. 16. Okay.
0: Yeah. You can tell it's from the swamp. It's got almost kind of like a soft mushiness to it. Okay. Um, so I convey that to this guy. I'll be frank. I know about your side businesses. Your friend Maximo was all too eager to tell us about it. However,. I also know that you have made dozens of reports of heresy that have resulted in several cleansings. I'm at an impasse, I'm afraid. Do I burn you at the stake? Or do I offer you a job? Holy shit, I'm a fucking company man.
1: <laughs> I fucking ratted people out to these guys. That's crazy. I'm um, out of character, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bullet. Yes, sir. I know you have extensive contacts throughout the three houses, and I know you used to be a traveler. Here's what I need. I need you to go to Vogtrum Swamp and find the person or people responsible for what happened today. You will be accompanied by the head of the Hunter's Lodge and one of my Sanctorum. In exchange for this deed, I'm willing to give you title and estate Within the Imperium Capitus, it is what you've always wanted, is it not? Say no more, sir. Very good. So, uh, with a handshake... Can I I just interrupt one second?
1: Yes. I, I would imagine this guy is part of what? He's the captain of the Thunder Force. Okay. And, you know, from our discussions, these guys are not to be fucked with. Correct. So, him just sparing my life is a gift enough. Yes. Right? So him now saying that he would give me title and land is above and beyond, I would imagine, what anybody would expect.
0: Not necessarily. Okay. You know, uh, we, we, in, in, that we've talked before, you're not opposed to, if you're afraid of getting caught, maybe diming somebody out to save your own skin. You've done that a few times, and yes. they know that. Okay. Um, up until right now... Nobody's Mm -hmm. seen any kind of magic. And nobody's saying magic right now, but nobody's had any kind of odd occurrence for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So they're willing to kind of throw the playbook that they know out the window. Right. Because now they're dealing with things that they've only read about in forbidden books, basically. Um, This town is mostly hunters, gatherers, woodworkers, masons. There's very few people that, have any kind of network outside of the immediate region. Right. Aside from you, because obviously through your contacts and your side ventures, you've made friends with a lot of people that you probably have visited here or there. Right. Um, He also understands that you're not really a warrior. So he's willing to send one of his guys and a hunter with you. In the event we encounter anything. Okay. Makes sense. So I would say you personally have traveled, maybe Hexley, which is the next major town okay. to the south. Um, because I would imagine that that's a big,
1: um, like a caravan route? Yes. For, for yeah. goods and whatnot. <clears throat> now, so I would be familiar with, um, with the other areas within this map
0: that map right there i gave it to you because that you are familiar with pretty much everything you see there okay so now where on this map is this um
1: fogstrom swamp oh uh, it's further south this okay so the, I, okay. this is
0: probably the fir- weather permitting the first 10 days travel okay sounds good the swamp is probably another 15 days south so someplace i've never been there before I've only nobody's been to the swamp
1: Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so I've only, don't go there. I've only dealt with, with goods that right. have come from the swamp.
0: The Vogtrim Fort is just on the border of the of the swamp. Okay. And as far as they know, no rational people really live there. So they just don't mess with it. Between all the poisonous snakes, the poisonous insects and other manner of animals in that swamp, they just kinda okay. leave it be. Sounds good. Um, did this guy leave the room? So he escorted you out. Okay. Um, you're going to need, you're going to meet the hunter, uh, and you're going to meet his associate from the thunder force. Uh, you're going to need 10 days, at least 10 days worth of food for three people. So you're going to need roughly 30 pounds worth of food. Uh, you're going to be following a river for a lot of it. So you're not going to really have to worry about water so much. Um, and you're gonna get horses so on horseback you're looking at you know eight seven eight day uh journey so the first person who's approaching you is Alvord Alvord is a human uh middle-aged graying hair he's the leader of the hunter's lodge uh he's covered in animal furs as you would imagine Most of his time, even though he's head of the Hunter's Lodge, most of his time is out in the wild. So he's very good at tracking, uh, bringing in food, survivalist skills, um, anything that you would need. So he introduces himself and uh, he breaks the news to you that his wife is one of the people that died today. I'm terribly sorry. Thank you. It's uh, spending so much time. Out in the wilderness time i wasted with my wife i, I just want to i want to find who's responsible for this Um, well, here to help have you met the thunder force that we're going with uh, i have
1: not do you know anything about him
0: no no um alexanderson told me to collect my things and meet him at the front gate uh when we're ready okay have you gathered the necessary provisions, or should I take care of this? I got my pack. I got pretty much everything I need as far as camping stuff goes. Um, uh, there's uh, plenty, plenty of food, I guess, left over from from the party. Um, I guess we could take we could take some of that. All right.
1: Well, I'll see what I can gather.
0: All right. I'll uh, I'll meet you at the at the gate. Okay. All right. So I guess I'm gonna head home. Okay. So you walk into your house. Uh, wife, two kids, correct? Yes. Daughter and son? Yes. Okay. Uh, so you walk in, and your wife and both kids actually are fine. I'm not even sure if they really went to the party. But they're aware of what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone okay. knows. Yeah. It's the talk of the town. Oh, good, good.
1: A little chit chat. All right. Well, I say, darling, I must leave you. Where are you going? I've been instructed by the Thunder Force that I must uh, go on a mission that's going to take me away from my homestead for about a month or two. I'm sorry, a mission? Sure. What, you're in, you're a soldier now? Uh, apparently. I've been ordered, no questions asked, and it's, in, it's either the mission or my life.
0: Harrison, if you're going on one of your wild journeys to go collect some inscrupulous things, just tell me.
1: Th- this is not that at all. This has something to do with whatever took place during the feast today.
0: Uh, While you're talking, your son comes out, who is... Six? Six years old.
1: Go to your room! No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he hugs your leg. Are you going to be gone long?
1: Not long, son. Mommy will take care of you. You just be the man of the house and
0: take care of your young little sister. Your wife is glaring at you. She's not happy. She is not happy, and she doesn't believe you. So, Hmm. listen, if you leave on this mission, we're not going to be here. Okay. Well, if I stay here, then you can
1: watch me burn at the stake in the center of town. Roll a persuasion.
0: Twelve. She huffs and crosses her arms. Are you serious? Oh, I'm serious. Did they say why
1: it was you? Apparently, I have some information in regards to... I'm, I'm blown away are by you, the... What? Are you involved in this? I'm not involved at all, but they feel as though I'm able to help in some way based on my experience as the portmaster. So I'm going to lend a hand, um, and it's really not by choice. Where do you have to go? All I know is south of Hexley.
0: South of Hexley? Yes.
1: That's even further than I've ever stepped foot. Are, are, you, are you going to the house itself? No. We're going beyond the house. B- to the swamp? To the swamp. Share this information with no one.
0: Okay. All right. Um, well, I, what do you need? I need provisions. <clears throat>
1: I need my camping gear and I need whatever rations we have in the house.
0: Okay. Um, Do you know how Okay. Yeah, just uh, just take what you need. Uh, I'm going to bring the kids over to my sister's, and um, I guess I'll see you off when you're ready. Okay. So uh, she grabs everybody up. She grabs whatever stuff that they need. She figures she's probably just going to stay with her sister. It's probably good for the kids anyway to have some kind of family around after everything that happened today. So she gathers them up. She gives you a quick little peck on the cheek and out she walks. So she's off. She's off. She's okay. going to meet you at the gate when you're ready to leave. Okay.
1: All right, so I finished gathering my uh, my belongings. Now the funny thing is, I would imagine my character, um yeah, he's really not much of a fighter. So like I grab, you know, like a small dagger that I might have and maybe keep it on my person. But, you know, my main focus is is going to be grabbing, you know, the the items that I need to get through this journey. All right, so what are you going to bring with you? So, I would think I'm going to bring a, a pack. I'm probably going to have a, uh, a tent or at least a bedroll. Um, I guess a tinderbox. Enough provisions to last.
0: The food isn't going to be an issue. Uh, at least, unless things go horribly wrong. Right. But there's plenty of food left over. Like, if you go out of the town square where everything was supposed to happen, you can see large kettles of stew, large spits with full animals on it that... Right haven't even started to be carved yet before the festivities even kicked off this this tragedy happened right um all right well the stew i'm gonna leave
1: not something that i'm interested in taking but i will take the animal and i'm gonna take anything in the house that's been preserved you know just to try to save on some weight i would imagine like i don't know how the town or the city that we're in right now is situated as far as like the equator goes like as we travel south to the swamps is it getting hotter yes okay So, obviously, I'm going to dress appropriately. Um, You know, I might bring, like, a poncho for the, you know, bad weather. Yeah. I mean, it's not
0: going to get hot because you're you're right in the middle of winter. So, you know, it might get moderate. Okay. Think about going to, like, Louisiana in the middle of the winter. Right, right. You're looking at, like, 70s. Yeah. So, I dress appropriately. Okay. So, you have all your food. You have your clothes. Uh, You're with a hunter, which is good. Right. All right. So, you're heading to the gate? I'm going to head to the gate. All right, so you see Alvord, Alvord, I'm sorry, standing there uh, talking to a gigantic soldier uh, with the Thunder V Sanctorum emblem emblazoned on a large tower shield. He, this brute, turns around and looks at you. Ah, I'm Whitmore. How are you? I'm good, Whitmore. The Harrison bullet. Yeah, I've heard about you. Old Alexanderson told us. How'd you get wrapped up in this nonsense?
1: Apparently I have some knowledge that's going to help with our little journey.
0: Let me ask you, uh... Do you, you think it's actually witchcraft?
1: I know nothing of the sort. That hasn't been around in hundreds, if not thousands of years. I mean, you, you saw what happened, right? It's, it's still
0: is shocking to me. I, I, I joined up six months ago. I, I came from Dragon Watch. They... You know they, they did their indenturing there uh I, I didn't think i was gonna have to actually do anything i thought i was just gonna be cold for a few months and here i am
1: <laughs> did they teach you anything about this like do you know what to expect
0: no no they they teach us that you know you, you get an accusation and you, you hang people uh, it
1: seemed pretty simple to me well it seems like this mission is outside of all of our purview i turn to uh albert and i ask him have you ever been South of Hexley to the swamps? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I've been to the swamps. Um, On the plus side, there's no there's no Thunder Force there. There's really nobody there. Right. No no offense, but well, There's Whitmore. something
1: there, if that's where we're going.
0: Yeah, I... I still don't quite understand the purpose of our mission here. So Whitmore kind of looks around and he opens up his pack and he pulls out this this bark. Well, this is the evidence. Uh, you're not allowed to keep it, but uh, you can look at it if you want. Okay, I'll examine it. All right, uh, give me an investigation. 15. All right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's semi-circled shape bark. How big? About the size of a palm of a, like your hand, like something that you would hold. Okay. The outside of the bark is kind of peeling and moldy and mildewy and mossy. Uh, it obviously came from a wetter environment just by holding it. Um, it doesn't feel like it would catch fire very easily just from being so soggy. Yet there's a scorch mark on the inside of the bark and that scorch mark is covering up a portion of this insignia that's been drawn uh, in a dark liquid. Um, the dark liquid has long since dried. You don't know if it's some kind of ink. If it's blood, you don't know what it is. Okay. Um And you don't recognize the insignia at all. It's very, very foreign looking.
1: Foreign is in it might be a different language foreign or foreign is in it
0: just looks so alien to me. Yeah, I mean, to
1: understand what it was.
0: You know, you could look at something in a different language, even if the letters, even like hieroglyphics, like you could tell it's trying to say something. This is more of a picture if you had to guess. But again, like three quarters of it is uh is covered up um it looks something like this so it looks like an open-ended arrow pointing either up or down depending on how you hold it right with a couple of lines underneath it and then something comes out underneath those lines but it's burnt away okay so yeah i have no clue my guy obviously
1: he has no idea what he's looking at right but he can tell by the bark and the um um like the substance of that bark that nine out of ten times that it's coming from the swamp
0: yeah okay so whitmore you know very concerned right um almost kind of shifting uncomfortably in his own boots is, is it magic
1: I, you're asking the wrong person. I'm, I'm a portmaster. I don't even understand why I'm here. I mean, all I was able to contribute is the fact that I know that there is a high percentage chance that this bark comes from the swamps.
0: Alvord pipes up. Well, you're the—you've you, been a portmaster for a long time, right? Of course. I mean, have I'm, I'm sure you have to deal with hundreds of ships but what's what's flammable because this looks like it was set on fire well this doesn't appear to be flammable right but is there some kind of powder that they could have put on it to set it on fire would i know that
1: i I mean i mean outside of like like common sense like gunpowder somebody put some sort of like gunpowder, right like
0: phosphorus or stuff like that right um So, yeah, you know, you give them a list of basic elements that you know about that could be flammable. Um, Whitmore asks you, uh, did anyone ask for a large shipment of that kind of stuff recently? No.
1: (sighs) And, And besides, even if we thought that it was some sort of flammable material that's easily accessible here, why are we trekking down to the swamp? Why wouldn't we be conducting experiments here to determine if, in fact, this was what was used
0: in order to scorch this, this bark? I can answer that question. Alexanderson walks up. I'm glad to see you all well and well-equipped. Uh, Whitmore is a new charge of mine. Uh, this will be a good way to get his feet wet. Uh, gentlemen, understand this is a very strange scenario. Somebody dropped this. It was told to us that there was a loud bang. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you heard this bang. Oh, I heard it. Uh, You did hear it. I did? Yeah. People said it almost sounded like a cannon was firing. Also, near where we found this, a woman was found stabbed. And people near to where this woman's body was when the incident happened, uh, they claim that they felt almost a, a, a electricity in the air... Uh, Understand that this is magic. We've read about this. We know about it. The magistrate and the justiciar agree that somebody perpetrated this. Now, we don't know why, but we can only assume that they came from the swamp. Now, nobody goes to the swamp. Nobody lives there, and we do not have a barracks there. It's a wildlands, and... As far as we write off, uh, it it is of no concern. However, it appears that it is a concern. We believe there's a cult down in this camp, and we're sending you three for various reasons. Uh, Alvord is the best hunter in the village. He's going uh, to keep you two alive. Whitmore is young, eager, and ready to fight. He'll keep you safe. You, Mr. Bullet, were hoping... As you come across clues, Emperor willing, uh, you would be able to determine the origins of these items that you may or may not come across. Uh, We need your knowledge of alchemy. Now we understand that you don't use these items, but you should be able to recognize them. You've certainly made enough reports of more ambiguous items uh, than this. So we're hoping that if anything stands out, something that maybe, according to your friend Maximo, you may have put in your pocket, maybe you'd recognize some of these things. Hmm. Now, if you do come across a bandit camp, we're not expecting you to throw your lives away. Simply observe and report. House Vogtram is just north of the swamp where you're expecting you to Go there and let them know what you found. But we're not prepared to send our men to die in the swamp. If it is too dangerous, I'm willing to lose three rather than an entire battalion. I'm sure you understand. No offense necessary. Understood. Very good. I'm glad we all understand each other. And again, Mr. Bullet, I know you want to go to the Imperium. And there's an estate waiting for you. And title. You'll never have to work again. In the meantime, as a show of goodwill... If you want, we can relocate your family there now. Oh, I'm not going to turn him down. Very good. We will make arrangements, and um, we will send uh, we'll send word to the house when you get there to let you know that everything worked out swimmingly okay. with your family. Do you have any questions? Do we have a contact in Hexley? Uh, you could just go to the Thunder Force uh, down in Hexley. This is a writ of conscript. Uh, it's been sealed by me. Do not open it. But uh, you have four of them. You hand these over to the appropriate authorities, and they are mandated to assist you in any way possible. Anyone who doesn't assist you, uh, certainly catalog their information and send that to us, and we'll deal with them. So we don't have Whitmore strike them down. I no, no. Okay. We're we're not we're not bandits like you. Mr. Bullet, we follow laws. I follow some laws. <laughs> Only when it's convenient. When it's convenient.
1: Okay, you got me.
0: And we are back. Uh Harrison Bullet, his opening adventure. Very I exciting. I hope people are still listening. No. No. Well, the thing is it's not live radio. So I would imagine they could probably just come in at any point.
1: Well, I'm sure we have thousands, if not tens of thousands of listeners. I'm just thinking like maybe they shut it off because they want to
0: get to the next adventure. That's true. You know? That's true. But if they do that, they're going to miss the brilliance that's about to transpire right Holy now. Holy shit. we they going to drop knowledge? Yeah. If they, if they weren't hooked in by the the Peter Stokeby, mm. if they weren't hooked in by the animals that handle grapes, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you don't deserve to listen to this fucking show. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, coming back to d d or starting for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's safe to say that for a while maybe Dungeons & Dragons was uh, kind of floundering in the water. Uh, the public perception was not that great. Yeah, And the game itself probably wasn't doing that well, but after 5th edition it seems like there's been this groundswell, mm-hmm. this uh, resurgence it brought me back in. The last time I GM'd a game, or in the case of Dungeons & Dragons, DM'd a game, was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Castle Ravenloft. That was probably... Was it back in the 40s? Close. 97, oh. 98 maybe? That was almost there. I'm not sure when I actually got the book, but needless to say, we're talking the better part of 20 years mm-hmm. uh, since I played a little game.
1: What about you? Almost the same. Uh, I to go back to uh, to AD and D. That's where I started. Maybe a little earlier, early nineties. I've never GM'd or DM'd anything, so I've always been a player in, in people's campaigns. Um, so again, just like you, there's been like this twenty plus year hiatus,
0: and boy, have the times changed. You know? Yeah. So uh, as we record this, we're about nine hours into the campaign with Harrison Bullet. Uh, how do you feel it's been wading back into the waters as a player? You know, I, I thought it was going to be a little rough, which um, it kind of
1: is. I mean, you know, we're going to have our little hiccups, especially considering that this is a solo campaign. I've never done a solo campaign before. However, I have to say, with the way 5E is structured, it's been fairly straightforward and easy. I think a lot of it is really just, just creating content and, and, you know, the role-playing aspect, which... Will obviously come with time.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean there's some obvious mistakes that I've made uh, throughout the throughout the journey so far which you guys will eventually hear. But getting back into it was a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. And I can't help uh, there's a lot of great YouTubers out there that uh that cover this kind of stuff and they do a great job but I can't help but feel like if you listen to these videos or watch these videos you become overwhelmed. Uh, there's a lot of shit going on, despite the fact that 5e has never been easier. Right. Um, and that's speaking from a place the last time I played was AD&D, where you had to count the weight of food. It seems like it's very easy to get in. And the trick to that is understanding that the way the rules are structured, they're, they're designed to be thrown out at any point. Uh, they're very big on fun trumps all. Right. So it's very loosey-goosey, as they say. Yeah, and that's how I like to play. I like to pay, uh, play... Uh,
1: I'm sorry. <clears throat> as is customary, I think you need to roll a d20.
0: On dice and pipes, when you flub a line, you have to roll a dice. Uh, it's a drinking-saving throw. Only if you get called out. If you didn't go, I probably was going to let that slide. I can't. I just assume it's coming. Uh, what's the... Uh, What's the DC on this? Uh, 10 and above. Spares you. And that's a 7.
1: And you're drinking. Very nice. I think there's, um, there's two aspects to this. There are those people such as us who have been out of the game for quite some time. Um... Who decide to get back into it, which I think for for us it's fairly easy because easier, yeah. it's easier. The book is is written the same, so it's not as though uh, it, it's the structure is f- almost identical to what I remember as being you know a teenager and and playing Dungeons and Dragons. So in that respect, like it, it's it's the same. When it comes to new players, I th- I think. Um, there's so much information out there, like you said, that can become a little overwhelming. However, I think if if you're able to parse the information that you get off of YouTube, and then couple that with the free information that you can get from online, it it might seem a little intimidating, but it is easy to to kind of jump back in. And I don't even think it matters how old you are. I think you could be a 13 year old kid, and and pick up the uh, you know the basic rules off of uh, Wizards website. And, and jump into it. So, yeah, convoluted on YouTube because there's so many content creators. But I, I think if you're at least in that vein, like you're putting in the search engine Dungeons and Dragons, how to start, how to play, how to build a character, you're headed in the right direction. And it's easy from that point to kind of find your way as long as you get with a decent group or like the savages we are. We have no friends. So it's just you and me. Right.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, we had to do this podcast really as a cover to play because I don't think <laughs> even our wives know.
1: This is really an excuse. Wait till they hear this episode. I'm going to have divorce filing proceedings at
0: like my kitchen table. <laughs> as far as YouTubers go, I have a short list. The problem is there's not a lot of YouTubers that are geared for the player. Uh, Matt Mercer mm. is probably the closest you're going to find that does a lot of content for players uh, over at Geek & Sundry. But for GMs, great googly moogly is there a lot of YouTubers. Which is really unfortunate. Because I think to get into
1: this game, I think most people who want to play Dungeons and Dragons, and this is just me just pulling this information out of my ass. I would think most people want to go in as a player first. Right. Which they should. Yeah. I think you should start as a player, not as a GM. That way you can or DM, you know, that way you can get the experience on what it's like to to be an adventurer within somebody's campaign. Learn from your DM and then take what you've learned and you know basically whatever you want to do, you can then apply it to, to your skills as a DM. Right. And like you said, there, there really isn't enough out there on YouTube. There are a few. Some of them are kind of hard to listen to. The the one guy that comes to mind, and I'm not saying that he's hard to listen to, but he's one that I think gives decent information as far as a, uh, a player is concerned is Dawnforgecast? cast. Yes. Like, he does a lot of, like, uh, like, player information. And Nerdarchy, like those guys, do a lot of builds. Right. Um, but again, some of these videos are fucking, like, 40 minutes long. And, like... Sometimes I just want a five minute video. Just, just like give me a quick little overview as a new player, a newcomer to D and D, what to expect.
0: Yeah. Web DM has a series of videos on how to build a, a character and how to role play that character. Uh taking 20, same thing. They have a couple of videos. Uh and they all have that video of how to start playing that that 101, your first through the door. And that begs the question, how how do you get started and how do you not spend a fortune especially if you've never played before, if you've played in the past and you enjoy it, then I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't enjoy it now. It's just a matter of getting your feet wet again. Right. Uh, as a brand new person fresh off the street who's never played before, you can play 100% free. You don't have to spend a single dollar to play this game. Correct. And as a disclaimer, just let it be known that I watched
1: no videos as far as like a uh, like a play from a player's point of view, so if you think my role playing skills suck, don't blame it on YouTubers, blame it on me, because I'm going straight from what I remember doing as a kid, and this is one of those things where we're just going to kind
0: of ease back in. Yeah. So we'll take. It yeah. From no. That. No funny voices from Harrison Bullet. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you want to play, and you don't want to spend any dollars to play, uh, you can download a free skeleton version of the rules, which we took a look at this because I have all the books, so I never really actually looked at this. It's a little bit more than a skeleton. I would say it's the skeleton and muscles uh, of the framework to play this game. That's free from Wizards of the Coast.com. If you type into Google Dungeons and Dragons and hit go, uh, it will bring you to... The first website that comes up is Wizards of the Coast. Uh, from there, there's a little menu drop-down that says start playing. And from there, it, it, you Run wild, so you can get the free rules. You can get a free dice roller app on uh, on your phone, on your smart device, and uh, the device that I would recommend because it actually also comes with not that you need this, but why not have it? It comes with sound effects and whatnot. Uh, is
1: I think we're being serenaded by Canadian geese. No, that's Sparkle
0: RPG Fantasy app. Uh, it's definitely an iOS because that's what I have. I'm not sure if it's on Android, but it's, uh, it's a little picture of a green speaker with uh, like crossed swords behind it, uh, and that gives you all kinds of sound effects and ambiance music, and it also has a dice roller in it. There's also, if you put a dice roller app in the App Store, in the Google Play Store, uh, you'll come up with a, a, uh, a cornucopia of dice rolling apps. So now you got the rules for free, you got the dice for free, now where to play. Uh, if you can find a group through Wizards of the Coast, and we live in a small town with a population of like 10, and one of them is the donkey behind us, uh, it still came up with the locations that I personally know do host games. I was just curious to see if they would be on this list, and they are. And and you've gone there before, right? Yes. During
1: their sessions where they've been running Adventurers League, and it, it's been pretty packed. Yes. Yeah. So um, even like a small kind of podunk area, you still have a lot of interest drummed up about 5e right which is great and i think i think what's better about dungeons and dragons these days is the fact that again um it's really it's not taboo anymore that whole nerd culture is front and center and i think social media as much as i fucking despise it i think that's that's kind of helped bring it out you know people are more comfortable uh in their skin yeah doing nerdy shit these days right um so you'll find You'll find it at your local comic book store, even if you don't have the internet, which I would imagine everybody has the internet these days, but even if you didn't have the internet, uh, you could still go to your local comic book store and, and, and inquire about Adventurers League, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they are running sessions, which is great because it's, number one, it's a great way to, to get started back in or start for the very first time into, into d If d d isn't your thing, like we found the small little comic book shop in town, um, they were running Warhammer tabletop. Right. So it's not just d and I mean, you, you can find whatever it is that kind of floats your boat. The other nice thing about it is it's going to connect you with, with new people. So you might spread from this Adventurers League and maybe create your own group, which is a nice little thing. And the other thing, and I'm sure you're going to touch upon this, is if, let's say you're a hermit, you don't like going outside, you're afraid of fresh air, you can always go online and go to Fantasy Grounds.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's Fantasy Grounds and there's Roll20. Uh, I don't like Roll20. Uh, I don't like their payment structure, and I do not like their corporate philosophies. Well, Roll20 so, 20
1: is a monthly, correct? Yeah. And Fantasy Grounds is a one-time fee.
0: They have monthly or one-time fee. So if you want, you can get the free demo version, and you go onto their forums, and you say that you're a first-time player looking for a group. I guarantee you'll find one. And as long as the Dungeon Master has the premium edition, uh, everyone who plays gets the premium edition while you're engaged in that game. So you have you have to learn how to use Fantasy Grounds, and that can be a little daunting. Um, but
1: still, it's free. It's free. And you don't have to leave your home. So you could, you could sit down in your underwear naked. You could be picking your ass at home like Thomas Jefferson here. And all you need is a computer and a microphone, which... I would imagine everybody who's listening to the show has a computer. If you've got an iPhone, even I think the Samsungs, they come with the earbuds that have the microphone connected to it. So you've got a a mic right there.
0: And even if you don't, if you just have standard basic bitch headphones, your laptop has a mic inside of it. Exactly. Uh, And any laptop can run Fantasy Grounds. It's not exactly pushing the the graphics card. Right. It's it's a flat 2D surface with flat comic book-looking tokens that move around. And now you're off and running. Uh, Building a character... On the free PDF, it shows you how to build uh, a fighter, a cleric, a ranger, and a wizard,
1: I believe. That's correct.
0: Yeah. So the four real... It's like the meat and potatoes of of D&D.
1: They give you four different races, so you can become a a dwarf, an elf, and a halfling, or a human. So it gives you the 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 Lord of the Rings. Right. So it's your starter pack. It's to dip your toe into it, see if it's something that you're interested in. And you can you can run a campaign from level 1 to level 20. I mean, it's going to be constrained a little bit, but you can run a campaign from level 1 to level 20 using the basic free rules off of the D&D Wizards website.
0: Right. And as a player, really the major rules that you have to concern yourself with Don't is die. the difference between a check and a save. And that's pretty much it. Once you learn how to build your character sheet, that tells you everything you need to know. Well, I would say, I'm sorry, I
1: would say the major rule is understanding that a one is a fumble and not a critical miss.
0: That's, right. that's a, the major rule. A one is a critical miss. Is a we already...
1: Right, we established that. It's a fumble. We have critical hits.
0: How do you critically miss something? Because you missed it so bad, he went cri- Chernobyl went critical. That was a critical miss. No, nah, whoever was responsible fucking totally fumbled. I don't see a shirt Mm -hmm. that says Fumble Happens with a 1 on the D20. I do see a shirt that says Crit Happens with a 1 on the D20. No, I've never seen that. Okay, I've seen it. But no, fuck that. I don't believe it. Those people are wrong. You do have a microphone, so that makes you right. That's right. I have power. (laughs) So when you have your character sheet, you have proficiencies and things that you're good in. For an example... A fighter typically will have uh, a brawnier-style body, and the, the fighter wants to lift a log, and the dungeon master is going to call for a strength check or an athletics check, and you look at the little number that you have, and that's the number that you add to whatever you roll on your D20. The The hardest part about the dice is figuring out the difference between a 20, a 12, and a 10, because they can look similar. Just grab the biggest one that looks most circular-shaped and there you go.
1: Listen, if you couldn't pass kindergarten, okay, you should not be playing D&D. Figuring out which die to roll is the equivalent in my opinion as taking a toddler and giving him that toy, that like Fisher-Price toy that was a box and it had different shape, like openings on the top of the box and then you take the different shapes down on the ground and you try to put them. You know, the whole trying to shove a square peg in a round hole kind of a thing. So if you can't figure out what a d12 is, before role-playing with your buddies and looking at the die and going, oh, okay, the highest number on this die is 12, therefore making it a D12. Kind of set that one off to the side. See, what I did when I first started playing is you would put all the die in order, starting with the four. So you would have your four-sided, then your six, then your eight, your tens, your 12, and then, um, you know, your D20. You son of a bitch. You're going under Jefferson's shoulders now.
0: You're almost yeah. I gotta slow down.
1: You're almost at the stinky butt. <laughs> Let me see. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta
0: wait for it to stop shaking. Yeah, you're right at it. You're it's right at it. It's gonna start tasting different. Yeah, yeah. Um. So by your logic, then, if I put the game perfection, 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 was it perfection? What is that? Uh, the game where it's a red box with ye- uh, holes cut out of various shapes, and then you have all the yellow pegs matching those shapes. And you have to put them into the holes before the timer runs out. When the timer runs out, it explodes and all the pieces go for Oh, I remember that game. Yeah, you'd be able to pass that game without a problem. Well, that's a little different. Well, how so? Well, how many
1: different shapes are in the game Perfection? Dozens. Dozens, But they're all different? Are they not? But D&D, you're talking about a set of die. Right. right? So you have a 4, a 6, an 8, a 10, a 12, and a 20. It's six fucking die. You son of a bitch. You don't have to look. I know. No, 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 no. We're doing this. Go ahead. If you can't just look and reach into that box and see what a D12 is, there's a problem. I do because I'm a pro. No, it doesn't take a pro. Everybody which, which knows Which one's the D20? The one that's closest to me. Wrong. That's the 12. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said 12. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. Do it again. Nope. That's Son it. Son of a bitch. You lose. I lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking judging <laughs> it. I totally got that wrong. What an asshole.
0: What a fucking idiot. Uh, after checks, you have saves. And a save is basically something bad is happening to you. And you have to stop that bad thing from happening. And on your sheet, you'll have a different list of, of those saves that you're proficient in. So it is possible to be proficient in strength for checks, but not be proficient in strength for saves. That can happen, depending on how you build the character. Uh, and then I guess the other side of this token is DMing. And like Chris said, if you're DMing, you probably shouldn't start there, if only just for personal knowledge.
1: And, and I'm sorry, one more point to make about um, role playing as a character, as the player, rather. You know, the other fun part about role playing is to the example that you were bringing up, you take a fighter, you'd normally think that he's this brawny guy that's like, you know, very strong and stuff like that. But now you really want to kind of flip the tables. Like, you could take and make it a challenge for yourself, make a fighter. But make strength his worth stat. His what? Fuck you. Come on, baby. Uh, 10. Come on, baby. Holy shit, a two. Oh. You're going to come to know that my roles are fucking atrocious. <laughs> they are atrocious. Oh, my God. You have like reverse loaded dice. Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? They would love me at the casino. Oh, yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Time for a
0: refill. Uh, I'm going to have to sleep in my car. So if you're going to DM your first game, I would say, uh, what's that old acronym that my parents used to use? KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh. Your Your one shot should be every cliche in the book. Why are they clichés? Because they're simple and they work. All the heroes find themselves in a tavern, a hooded and disparaging looking son of a bitch comes walking in and says, "I have a job for anybody who's willing to take it." And of course, the players, being the players, will if you've ever played D&D before, completely ignore him and then go outside and try to start murdering the guards. Yes. But hopefully they decide to take this this mission. And it's rescuing the king's daughter from the wizard tower. Very, very simple. Easy to follow story. No plot twists, no hooks. And the best thing is, upon completion of this one-shot quest, uh, it just takes a little bit of narrative know-how to leave it open for a second adventure. Mm. And by this point, you've spent zero dollars. And after this first adventure, which probably you know, should last three, four hours. After that, if nobody is feeling it, then you step away with nothing lost out of your pocket. If they are feeling it, I would say you can use the free stuff for the first several sessions. And that's when you can start buying the books. And really, uh, we've reviewed the, uh, the free PDF. I haven't read the whole thing, but just looking at it at a glance, the only thing that's really going to hold you back, at least to begin with, is going to be the monster manual that they include in the free version because a lot of it is zero challenge rating monsters like rats, hawks, uh, axe beaks, but they do they do throw in some dragons in here. They throw in uh, some awakened trees, uh, some bears. Oh boy, they put in bug bears. Those fucks. I hate bug bears. I fucking hate bug bears. Uh, a cockatrice... Constrictor snake doppelganger. Uh, let's see what else do they throw in this bitch? A giant crab, mm. a giant fire beetle. Lots of uh, lots of the appendix monsters from the actual monster manual. A giant seahorse, the most terrifying of all the monsters. A griffin, goblins, hobgoblins, hydra. <laughs> they throw a hydra in here. That makes sense. Uh, ancient red dragon. So there's quite a few monsters, but it seems like the monster manual is split up mostly 5 to 10 of each challenge rating, leaning a little heavier on the 0 to 1. So there's a little bit more as far as 0 to 1. For example, challenge rating 0, they have probably about 20, maybe 30. Um... One-eighth, it's a little bit less. Challenge rating seven, they have one. Challenge rating nine, they have one. Challenge rating 10, one. Challenge rating 17, one. So as you you get more challenging monsters, based on the rules of the book, uh, they start whittling those down. And a lot of them are not very exciting monsters. Which
1: makes sense, because they want you to go out and... Of course. ...pay. Of course.
0: This whole episode, I've been waffling on the idea of giving away where you can find... the Doing a giveaway? F- the No, no, no. Oh. Uh, finding the free versions of these books. Um, so I'll say this. Be a decent human being and buy the book. And then after you buy the book, then maybe find a place where you can download the PDF for free. That's fair. Um, I did it. It'd be very easy for me to go uh, to... A website and download the free versions of the books and i will say uh with the modules i have downloaded the the free versions from unscrupulous websites and if i decide to run it i'll buy the book um because i'm not gonna well, i'm you're not gonna be a hypocrite you're a man of nobility yes yeah i think so
1: yeah of course i hold you in the highest regard
0: thank you you're welcome Thank you. Uh, so there's no reason not to hop back in. It's never been more popular, um, dude. And it's so easy because it doesn't even
1: matter like how old you are. Because I look at it like this: if if you have a car, right, and, and it's something that you're interested in, and let's say you can't find a group of friends, again, you can go to your local comic book store, you can go on D and D's website, and you could find one of uh, one of these adventures leagues where they are. You search by zip code, it's going to tell you exactly where you need to go. Or you go on Fantasy Grounds, like you would mention. you check their forums, you see who's looking for uh, for players for a uh, for a campaign, and go from there. You test it out. You see if it's something that you're interested in. The one thing that I like about the Adventurers League is that the GMs that you're going to find there, for the most part, are experienced GMs and their structure. So you, you almost know what to expect when you go there. You're going to have fun. You're going to get the basic understanding as to what getting back into or starting for the first time what dnt is all about so don't be intimidated if you go there it seems like everybody who's involved they're for the most part they're decent people <clears throat> excuse me so if if you explain to them that you're new this is your first time playing or you've only played a handful of times you let them know and they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna berate you they're not gonna treat you like a piece of shit no. because you've never played before on the flip side of that, let's say uh, let's say you're younger, you just whatever you're shy, you don't want to go out to the to the comic book, y- you have pride or whatever gets in your way, and and you think it's kind of nerdy still to go and do something like that, and you just don't want to you don't want to be attached to that stigma of being that guy who goes into the comic book store to play fucking D and D, you know, because some people still have a problem with that. Um, let's say you have a group of friends who want to play, and you've never played before. Let's say there's four of you. You know, you may want to uh you may want to take turns being the DM and and see who has you know the knack for being the DM, you know? Maybe you get together once a week with your buddies and you realize that by the third week, you know, your, your friend Pat, he's he's the guy and he enjoys DMing. So now you know everybody's comfortable and interested in the campaign that Pat is running, so you decide that that's the one that you want to go with. And don't be afraid to have a little trial and error. You know, pick classes and races that you've never played before to kind of experience what the game
0: is all about. Nobody is going to give you a hard time. Uh, it should be very easy to find players, uh, and it should be very easy to determine if you actually want to do this or not. And like I said, yeah. if, if if you're coming back, then I don't see any reason why you shouldn't just hop right back in. Yeah, and if
1: people are going to judge you for fucking playing D anD. d Then you tell those people to go fuck themselves.
0: You know. Yeah, that's and, the way I look at it. And the only people that are really going to break your balls are the people who don't play. Or they're
1: they're like too cool for the room. Right. You know, and and those people, like I said, they they fuck them. Who cares? And ironically,
0: I would bet out of the people that do break your balls, at least half of them have played. Or want to play. Right. Uh, And if you are doubting whether you can find a place to play in real life with real people rather than just using the internet, Alaska... Is ranked as the least populated state in the country. So I put in a zip code uh, for Alaska. I believe it's Anchorage. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight places came up, ranging from two miles away from 99501 to 259 miles away. So there are places to play, at least near Anchorage, Alaska. And using that as a litmus test, I would imagine. Almost anywhere you live in the country, you can play with real players. Easily.
1: Here's one more thing. This goes back... I mean, this is from 2004, but just to give you an understanding. How many people play D&D? How many people do you think... Ten. Ten p. Since d since d is... Since I'm is, sorry? Fuck. Son of a bitch. Nineteen. Ah, oh, you dick. Yes. Since D&D has been created. How many people and or how much money do you think has been spent on D D products? D D, not other role playing, just D. How many people do you think have played? Since when? Since D D was created. Uh I'm gonna
0: say eighty six million.
1: Twenty million, but still. That's still a high fucking number. Yeah. Twenty million? Over a billion dollars has been spent on D D products. So it's not like this is some, like, closet game where people, you know, are afraid to come out and say, hey, uh, I play D&D. You know, like, th- those days are over. Right. You know, where you're, like, associated with being satanic. Because remember, on th- like, yes. the news, I remember, would run stories about how people who play in D&D were satanic. Is your
0: child sacrificing your younger <laughs> child to the devil? <laughs> Find out at 11. <laughs> Oh, All shit. right. Uh, well, that's going to just about do it for us. To Peter Stokeby. Uh, may he live forever, because that son of a bitch makes great tobacco. To Jefferson. Guy, you got to
1: stop picking your ass. To people that eat grapes. Dude, if I encounter one of them in the supermarket, I'm fucking knocking that teeth out of my head.
0: To Dice. <laughs> and Pipes.